So we're going to continue our series on faith uh, this morning. And uh, let's start out with uh, Mark 11, 22 through 25, and then we'll turn over to Hebrews chapter 11, and then we'll go back to Romans. So we'll have uh, Mark chapter 11, Hebrews 11, and then Romans chapter 4 and 5. Uh, Mark 11, uh, 22 through 25. Jesus is speaking, and uh, you know he's just the day before cursed the fig tree, and then the disciples notice what happened, and um, they're kind of saying, like, what, what's going on in verse 21? What's going on? Like, uh, you just spoke to the tree, and it's withered away. That's not normal. None of our other friends have done that. None of our other teachers have done that. Um, uh, when they speak, they just have lots of words. But when you speak, things happen. In fact, the disciples even said about Jesus, there's something about his words. Uh, the words which he spoke were different kind of words. And uh, there's a lot of people that'll say a lot of things, but you notice when someone has like uh, created an item and they speak about the item, it's a whole lot different than someone that's just talking about something they don't aren't even aware of. So uh, you know, you talk about someone that um, maybe built a house, and you're trying to figure out because uh, we're in a different house now. And you're trying to figure out, like, how to, where does this light switch go to? Where does this go to? Well, if I talk to the builder of the house, they're going to be very authoritative on it. You know, and the disciples said he spoke as one with authority. Well, he had authority uh, because he created and because he is the creator. But he also had authority because he conquered. Because he conquered all of the power of the enemy. And he was here to demonstrate uh, his rule and his dominion over them and ultimately to conquer and win victory over every part of what the devil would try to do in our lives. So he said, uh, answering them in verse 22, have faith in God. Verily I say to you, whoever will, uh, will say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and not doubt in his heart, but will believe those things which he says will come to pass, he'll have whatever he says. Uh, therefore I say to you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you'll have them. And when you stand praying, forgive if you have aught or any little thing against anybody that your Father which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. Uh, and it's amazing. We talked about it last week. I'll just uh, review for just a second. It's amazing the power unforgiveness can have in our lives, in every area of our lives, and hold back the blessing of God in every area of our lives. Because the truth of the matter is, and it's a good truth, it's an amazing truth, it's a gospel truth, that Jesus Christ has already purchased everything for your salvation, for your healing, for your financial prosperity. We just have to recognize it and grab hold of it. We learned that in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, that if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things um, have been made new. And then if you continue to read on, we learn that we are ministers of reconciliation, the King James says. And that just means to tell the whole world, God loves you. He's not mad at you. He's actually made you right with him. Right? Because the devil wants to bring uh, what we call a consciousness of messing up or sin consciousness to your mind and to my mind. So that we say, you know, I, I don't belong. I shouldn't do this. You know, we have four little children and it's so easy to tell when they've done something they're not supposed to because they won't look you in the eye. They won't talk to you. They'll kind of like shrink away and they're kind of trying to hide. And, um, you know, one of the best ways to know that you're interpreting the Bible correctly is uh, you look at the law of first mentions. And that would be like, look at Adam and Eve in the garden. When they messed up, what did they do? They hid themselves. And it's kind of like 
my children hiding from me when I, I, I know exactly what they did. Like, why are you hiding? And Adam and Eve are hiding from God. He's a little more impressive than me. He knows a little more than me. Uh, yet they're hiding from their creator. They're hiding from God who walked with them in the garden, through the garden, who they had gotten to know, who they had close relationship with, and they're hiding. And so uh, in a measure, we all tend to hide when we mess up. And then uh, when you're, you're coming and you want to come and talk to God or pray to God and you've messed up, you have a real hesitation. And you're kind of like, uh, you know, I don't really want to pray right now, or I'm just going to mouth some words. I'm not really going to connect, or because you know you don't really want to face uh, the Lord because He's perfect in all of His ways, righteous in all of His ways, and because the devil plants thoughts and lies in our mind that say, no, the Lord will be upset with you, which He won't be. The Lord will, you know, doesn't want to talk to you, which is not true. The devil's just a liar. And so, but if he can get you or me to believe those lies, then we will stay out of our answer, which is in the presence of God, because answers are always waiting in the presence of God. And uh, when uh, you see people get more distant from the Lord, maybe they're not like fully backslidden, but they start to uh, not be quite burning quite as hot. The embers are kind of getting a little dim. Uh, you'll notice they kind of don't want to be involved in as much stuff, and they pull themselves back and pull themselves back, and. There's really a, a lie that the devil tells that, like, you're so far, you know, you're, you've messed up too much, you're too far, uh, which is just that, a lie. Because the reality is you can have the worst sinner, the worst person, you could have somebody that's part of ISIS walk in here this morning, and they could be born again, and they would be as pure and as righteous as Jesus Christ, and they could enter right into the presence of God, Right? God's word is good, and the gospel is good news. And uh, we're here uh, to, and when I say we, I'm not just talking me. When you're a believer, you're here to tell everyone that you come in contact with, uh, you don't have to live like that. Jesus loves you. He made a way for you. He paid a price for you. Really, he paid the price, took the, uh, the uh, penalty and the torment that what you're going through mentally right now, he took it on himself so you wouldn't have to. So I'm here to tell you, like, Let's just give it to the Lord. You don't, you don't have to have it. But we get in that situation when we walk in unforgiveness. And so we talked about that last week. Jesus said, have faith in God. Verily I say to you, in other words, pay attention. I swear to tell the truth, whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help me God. The strongest statement I could make, Jesus is saying, um, that whoever says to this mountain, this difficulty, this impossibility, this thing that looks too big, be removed, be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things which he says will come to pass, he'll have whatever he says. He didn't say he'll have whatever he believes. He said he'll have whatever he says. You still have to believe, uh, but you can't just believe alone because there's a lot of people that believe, but they don't do anything about it, and they don't speak it. And so uh, one of the greatest ways that you can change the atmosphere in your life, in your home, wherever you're at, your workplace, is by speaking, yeah. you know? And uh, like think of someone speaking to you at your place of employment, and you made a mistake and you messed up, and they said, I never thought you could do it anyhow. I think maybe you need to find another place at the company. Well, the, those words, like even just saying those in a fictitious way right now, I don't like saying those words. Those don't feel good. Those are kind of like, ugh, you know? 
but uh, change the words to, you know, your boss comes up and said, oh, that's no problem. You know, I made that same mistake like three times before I got it right. You can do it. It's not a problem. Wow. Those words change, okay? So our words have power, and those words of people around us have power. And you can look all the way from, you know, people fighting battles, people fighting wars. Let's look uh, real quick at um, Samuel in uh, 1 Samuel 17, David and Goliath. Think of the story of David and Goliath. Uh, verse 34 says, And David said to Saul, Your servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock, and I went after him and smote him or killed him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by the beard and smote him and slew him. And the servant slew both, uh, your servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be as one of them. Right? So here's what I've done. And here's, now he hasn't done this yet. But this uncircumcised Philistine who is, you know, you probably know the story of David and Goliath, but he's coming against the armies. And every day he'd come up and he'd taunt them with what? Words. And the words of that giant crippled the entire Israeli army because they believed his words. Okay. But David said, you know, I've done this and I've done this and the Lord has taught me this and this uncircumcised Philistine is going to be as one of them. So now he's putting his words out there. Uh, that could be a scary situation because you're thinking like uh, circumstantially, like if you look at this, he's just a young man. And yet his older brothers and all the other army, all the trained army, all the people that have gone like through the boot camp and done all that stuff and um, made it through and survived. I remember when I went to boot camp, it was like a, it was an interesting experience because um, you know, if you're, we're from a different service here, you might want to make fun of me because I was in the Air Force, but <laughs> it still wasn't easy peasy, as my kids like to say. Um, but I think it was like the second night or something like that, second or third night, you know, and that's kind of like intense time when they're having it. Like, um, like these people died in boot camp. Like uh, in PT, I don't know if their heart wasn't in, in shape for physical, ther- uh, physical training, they call it, in the Air Force, you know. Um, and so, like, they die, and then another person tried to commit suicide, and so you kind of get all this stuff, and you're like, what is going on, you know? Well, that actually kind of plays into your mind as well. But he hadn't been into all that type of training. Air Force did a lot of psychological and then some physical, not as much as the Army or other, other uh, f- uh, forces there, but uh, we did some. We had to ride a bike once a year. Or they call it an ergo cycle, and they check your breathing and everything. I think they do more now, but, you know, anyhow. This uncircumcised Philistine will be as one of them, seeing that he has defied the armies of the living God. David said, moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion, out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go, and the Lord be with you. One thing I want to notice before we move on is David's faith is not in David. David's faith is not in, like, his, his own self. His faith is in God. And what did Jesus say in Mark 11? Have faith in God, okay? So we're not talking about some mental exercise. We're having faith in ourselves, faith in our own ability, faith in who we are, faith in, you know, because we're human, we're so amazing. No, we're talking about having faith in God. Have faith in God. In other words, trust God. Lay hold, one translation said, on God's faithfulness. 
So we're going beyond ourselves. We're not coming from ourselves except for the fact that when you're born again, um, the Spirit of God comes to live inside of us. So you can look to the inside for your help, but it's not you. It's the Spirit of God, right? So we're relying upon the Spirit of God. The Lord delivered me out of the paw of the lion, the paw of the bear. He'll deliver me out of the uh, hand of this Philistine. Verse 38, and Saul armed David with his armor and put on a helmet of brass upon his head and also armed him with a coat of mail. And David girded his sword upon his armor and he essayed to go for he had not proved it. In other words, he didn't want to. He's like, I haven't even used this stuff. And David said to Saul, I cannot go with you for I have not uh, proved them. And David took him off and he took uh, his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones out of the brook, put them in the shepherd's bag, which he had even in a scrip and his sling was in his hand and he drew near the Philistine and the Philistine came out and came near to David and the man uh, that bare the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked out and saw David, he disdained him. For he was but a youth, ruddy and a fair countenance. Now the world is going to disdain you, and the world is going to disdain me when we step out and act in faith, because they're not used to that. That is an unknown realm. That's an unknown area. So anybody that kind of like, uh, you know, you might use a phrase like they're going by their gut. Well, if you're born again, really your gut, your your subconscious, or whatever, is in tune with the Spirit of God, right? You're following the leading of the Lord. Well, that makes people that are only comfortable, only feel secure with what reason can tell them really uncomfortable. And it actually makes them disdain you uh, because uh, we even learn in the word of God that the um, wisdom of God is foolishness to the world. And they're like, that's foolishness. What are you talking about? What What do you mean like believing in a God that's just people that are of lower mentality and they need a crutch to get them through life? Um, I'm so glad that Jesus is alive today, doing today what he did when we read in the gospel uh, accounts. He does the same thing today. And uh, one of the greatest ways that you know that you are born again, that Jesus is living in you, is because you have a love inside you, stirring you, constraining you, that you did not have before. And that means before, like, you could tell them off and care less, and you feel really good about it. Now, in the heat of the moment, you might tell them off, be really happy about it. Afterwards, you're like, oh, because the love of God's trying to get through to you. Like you don't, you're not supposed to act that way. <laughs> that might have felt. Or was it? Uh, I'll tell a story of my youngest. You know, <laughs> he just said yesterday. Um, I don't remember what it was, but I told him. I said, I said, don't do that. You know, you shouldn't be doing that. Just stop doing that. He said, but my body wants to, Daddy. My body wants to. <laughs> and I thought, you don't know how scriptural you are. <laughs> I haven't taught you that. What are you talking about? But my body wants to do it. And it wasn't even eating food. It was like to do a wrong thing or maybe say a wrong thing. He's like, but my body wants to. Well, uh, I've got news for you. If you, if you, you probably know it up to this point in your life, but maybe you're thinking, you know, when I grow a little bit in the Lord, uh, that body want to will just stop. No, that won't stop. Your flesh still wants to do what your flesh always wanted to do. But we are to bring our body into subjection, Paul said, to the word of God, lest when we preach or declare or tell other people, we ourselves should be a castaway, he says, or we'd just be like left out, right? So we want to like bring our body into subjection. And so Joel, like he gave me a great illustration, like, but my body wants to. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
And the Philistine came and drew near to David, and the man that was with him had a shield before him. When the Philistine looked out, he saw David, and he, he disdained him, for he was but a youth and ruddy and of a fair countenance. And the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me uh, with sticks and stones, basically? And the Philistine uh, cursed David by his gods, you know, by the Philistines' gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the fowls of the air and the beasts of the field. Again, like the devil's going to work through the world. The devil's going to plant thoughts himself, and he's going to use a lot of uh, people also to plant thoughts. And um, David's not deterred, though. He keeps right on, and he says whatever he's going to say. In other words, my faith is in God, and this is what's going to happen. He's not deterred by his saying, like, am I a dog? This guy's trying to intimidate him. The devil will try to intimidate you. Uh, you know, like, what do you think you're doing? You can't do that. You can't give 10% of your income to the church. You cannot afford that. Are you kidding me? And you're saying that God's going to take and bless you more? Uh, what school did you go to? Maybe you're doing this new, what do they call it, Common Core. Because <laughs> those of us that didn't have Common Core, uh, it might make sense to somebody, but it makes no sense to me. Like, I always thought two plus two was four. Anyhow, so uh, the devil's going to try and tell you, like, obviously, two plus two is four. So if you have four and you give one away, you can't, you can't survive because you need all four. But God's law is sowing and reaping. So instead of sitting there and letting that thought start to gain ground and multiply with other thoughts, and then all of a sudden start to spit out your mouth a little bit and say other things, you actually speak the word. My God will multiply my seed sown. His blessing is upon my finances. He rebukes the devourer for my sake because I bring all the tithe into the storehouse. So you start to speak just like David did. So let's see what David said. Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and a spear and with a shield, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day will the Lord deliver you into my hand, and I will smite you and take your head from you, and I will give your carcass to the host of the Philistine this day to the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and all this assembly will know that the Lord uh, does not save with the sword and the spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. Praise God. So God does not save with the sword and a spear. Uh, what does that mean? What do you think that means? He doesn't save with a sword and a spear. Well, uh, let's turn over to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Well, while you're turning there, let me, let me finish this one up. And it came to pass when the Philistines arose that David came up, drew, uh, drew near to meet David, and David ran towards the army to meet the Philistines. And David put in his hand his bag and took a stone and slang it and smote the Philistine in the forehead. And the stone sunk into his forehead and fell, he fell upon his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and smote the Philistine and slew him. Uh, but there was no sword in David's hand. Therefore, David ran, stood upon the Philistine, took his sword, drew it out of the sheath, and slew him and cut off his head. When the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled. And the men of Israel and Judah arose and shouted and pursued the Philistines until um, you come to the valley of gates of Ekron. Interesting, like one man acted in faith 
and actually affected his whole company, his whole group of people. And so you've got like um, the God kind of faith and you have like maybe the Thomas kind of faith. Like when I see it, I'll believe it and then I'll do. And so the whole, the whole excuse me, Israeli army is having the Thomas kind of faith. Well, once I see that this man is, is dead, David conquered him. Yeah, let's go. Same thing we talked about in this series, uh, the 12 spies. Two of them had an evil report. The reason it was an evil report is it was a report of doubt and unbelief. We are not able to go and possess the land and take the land. That's what the 10 said. But Joshua and Caleb said, we are well able to take the land. Let us go at once and possess it. Uh, because remember, the report said that there's giants in the land and we look like grasshoppers to them. And when we think of it, looking at them, we look like grasshoppers. So we feel like everything looks like we're grasshoppers. We, we can't do it. And what's interesting is have faith in God. Uh, you'll have what you believe and say. The 10 and their descendants had exactly what they said. They never went in to possess the land. They wandered 40 years in the desert and they died. Joshua and Caleb, their descendants, they said, we are well able they were affected by the people they were with, so it took them 40 years to get in, but then they got in. You have what you say. You shall have what you say. Jesus said that. I didn't say that. Brother Hagin didn't say that. Jesus said that. Um, and so David had exactly what he said. He said it. He was trusting God, and he acted on it. So, I mean, we talked about that uh, two weeks ago, I think, that you know what you're trusting God for uh, you need to be in the will of God. The will of God is the word of God. So you're not going to do something that's outside the word of God. I think the example we gave is like uh, this one guy even told Dad Hagen, he's like, you know, well, I'm believing to have that man's wife. Well, that's obviously not in the word of God, okay? And um, so you can't have that. He could say it, try to believe it, but you really couldn't have Bible belief on it because there's scripture that's very clearly contrary to that. So we have faith in God. Lay hold on God's faithfulness. And um, uh, Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Uh, Greek actually says, and hearing by the rhema of Christos. Rhema, one way to think of rhema is it's the word that's alive to you, that's revelation to you. Like, oh, I see that. I've never seen that before. And that's under the anointing. Uh, so many times where that comes. So uh, another translation says, faith is inspired or awakened by hearing the word of God. And uh, Romans chapter 5 tells us that uh, God has dealt or given to every person or every man, mankind, the measure of faith. So we all have a measure of faith. It's uh, what we do with it. Now Hebrews 11, Hebrews chapter 11. This is a message that I like to hear all the time and really need to hear all the time, and that is, like, it's real easy to get in, uh, caught up in the what-ifs or how will it be. Like, how is it going to happen? How is it going to happen? So the, today, excuse me, the title of today's message is uh, just by faith, okay? So Hebrews chapter 11 says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, uh, verse 1, the evidence of things not seen, for by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Like if I'm going to go build something, I'm going to build like a little backyard office. And so I'm going to take things that do appear, 
put them together, and I'm going to build something. I'm building them of things that do appear. Uh, God framed the world and everything that we see, what I'm standing on now, through things that don't appear, through his very words. Uh, Verse 4, by faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice. Verse 5, by faith Enoch was translated that he would not see death. Verse 7, by faith Noah being warned of things not seen yet moved with fear, that's a godly fear, he prepared an ark. Verse 8, uh, by faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out to a place which he should later receive an inheritance, obeyed. Verse 9, by faith, he sojourned or journeyed in the land of promise. Verse 11, through faith, Sarah also received strength to conceive seed. Through faith, also herself received strength to conceive seed. I don't know if I must have said it wrong. Babies, yes. Thirteen. These all died in faith, not having received the promise, but having seen them afar off. Verse seventeen. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, that he had received the promises, offered up his only begotten son. Verse twenty. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob. Twenty-one. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph. Twenty-two. By faith, Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel. Twenty-three. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid for three months. Twenty-four. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Verse twenty-five. Uh, choosing rather to be the affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Verse 27, by faith he forsook Egypt. 28, through faith he kept the Passover. 29, by faith they passed through the Red Sea. Verse 30, by faith the walls of Jericho fell down. 31, by faith the harlot Rahab didn't perish with them that didn't believe. By faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. So I have a question. How is what you're praying about, what you would like to see come to pass, how is it going to come to pass? By faith. By faith. Okay, let's uh, turn over to Romans uh, chapter 4 and chapter 5. Romans chapter 4 and chapter 5. Well, actually, yeah, turn over Romans 4 and 5, and then I'll read a couple of the passages, and we'll get there. Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. So even how we access grace is by faith. Right? So grace, uh, you, you have this gift from God that you didn't work for, that I didn't work for, that you can't work for, that actually if you try to work for, you can't enter into it. Because when you're working, you're not re- obtaining by faith. You're doing it by works, okay? Uh, So even accessing God's grace, we access by faith. Um, And then uh, Romans chapter 10. Excuse me, Romans chapter 9, verse 30. What shall we say then, that the Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness had attained righteousness, even the righteousness of faith, but Israel... Pursuing the law of righteousness has not attained the law of righteousness. Why? Because they did not seek it by faith. So he's saying like, okay, these people that are not even like part of Israel, they're not part of God's chosen people, they obtained righteousness 
and they did it by faith. But God's chosen people didn't attain righteousness because, uh, verse 32, because they did not seek it by faith, but as it were by the works of the law. For they stumbled at that stumbling stone as it's written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone, a rock of offense, and whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. Him, that is Jesus, chapter 10. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. For Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law. The man who does those things will live by them. But the righteousness of faith speaks this way. Don't say in your heart who will ascend to heaven. That's to bring Christ down from above. Or who will descend to the abyss. That's to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That's the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes to righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. As the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So uh, we find that when we're trying to approach God through the works of the law or to come under a law, that we actually don't connect with God's righteousness. In other words, what's right? And, uh, you know, without righteousness, no man shall see God. And without a righteousness consciousness, no one's really going to connect with God. Because you may be righteous, declared righteous, in the legal court of heaven. You're going to heaven. But you may not experience heaven on earth because you don't con- con- excuse me, contact or connect with God. Because you have a sin consciousness, not a righteousness consciousness. And righteousness consciousness allows you to come into the presence of God. Now we see this through, you know, uh, I don't know because I don't, I don't see that it says it in the Bible or whatever. But, uh, you know, so I'll say like most every religion that I'm aware of is that Uh, The predominant thing in most religions is there is a works mentality and there is a do this, do this, do this, do this, line yourself up like this, um, pray facing this way, do this, do that, and that's going to maybe get you a ticket to whatever that religion calls paradise, okay? Uh, That's not the kingdom of God. That is not the way the kingdom of God works. In fact, that is so contrary to the kingdom of God that even... Jesus' teaching confused some people, or some people, he didn't confuse them, people were confused on their own, because they're trying to understand with a natural mindset. And that is like the parable of the vineyard, where the master like hires these people to work in the vineyard in the morning, and then he ends up hiring people in the afternoon and paying them the same wage at the end. And the people who worked from the morning said, whoa, 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 this is not fair. And he said, well, didn't I tell you this is what I was going to pay you, and isn't that what I'm paying you? And they said, well, yeah, but we work twice as long as these guys. And Jesus said, this is the way the kingdom of God works. It doesn't matter if you get born again like I did at a very young age, or if you're like 85 years old and you accept Jesus Christ and you die the next day, or 95 and die the next day, or 105, or, you know, say 120. 
Everyone comes right into the kingdom. Why? Because it's not based on the fact that I worked my whole life and tried to be a good Christian and did all this and did all that. All that stuff comes and should come. And if it's not coming in your life and if there's no desire in your life, you might want to check up on if you're a new creature because that stuff's going to come, right? And your rewards in heaven will be based on your works on the earth, okay? So there's something to be said for doing good works and doing those things. Uh, but your relationship with Jesus Christ is not based upon your works at all. And if you try to base it on works, you're not going to have any kind of relationship with him. Because he doesn't say, you did this for me, so I'm going to do this for you. He says, I don't care what you did. And actually, Romans, it says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for the ungodly. So uh, think of the worst person you can think of, and then doing the greatest act of love for them. That's what Christ did for you. Whether you were kind of good on your own, you think you were good. Jesus said no man's good except for God. Uh, but you might think that you were good without him, uh, but you really weren't. All, all goodness uh, comes from God. Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. Uh, let's start with verse 1. What then shall we say that Abraham our father has found according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. Isn't that interesting? Like he can boast if he was justified by works, like look what I did, look what I did. But you can't boast like that before God because God kind of knows. Like um, what do you have that you have not received? Right? So why do you boast as if like you did it yourself because you know what you have. None of us has anything that we have not received. Um, so why do you boast like you did it yourself? For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. So if you're trying to work, you're actually, it's, it's counted as debt. What does that mean? Okay, well, if you go to work and uh, a typical job, you're going to go and, you know, somebody's going to say, I'm going to hire you for, you know, $600, $700 a week to do this job. And I don't know, I've never had a job, I don't think, where they paid me before I worked. I always do the work, and then it's either one week, two week, or sometimes four weeks behind, and then you get paid. Um, so what is that? Well, whoever you're working for, they are in debt to you because you're working for them. And that's what uh, the scripture is saying right here. Verse 5, but to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, that's God, his faith is accounted for righteousness. So in other words, the one that's not working for his salvation, not working for his position with God, but he's just believing God and saying, okay, Lord, I couldn't do it anyhow. I'm just trusting you. Uh, like the one uh, family Brother Hagin always talks about was, you know, we just throw ourselves over on your goodness and on your mercy. You know, and the other family, they would always kind of uh, stop and say, like, well, we did this. We served in the church for years and years and years. And I guess now that I'm into it, I should tell you that uh, story is um, this young lady used to, uh, who knew Brother Hagen for a long time, came up to him one time and said, hey, I got a question for you. My family almost, they go out for healing. They almost never get healed. And my husband's family, uh, they almost always get healed. But my family, everybody in the church would attest to you as like the most faithful family in the church, always there when the doors are open, always helping, always doing all this stuff. And my husband's family, they're kind of spotty. They show up now and then, you know, and uh, they kind of mess up. But as soon as they mess up, they immediately repent and forgive. 
And even if it's not their fault, they'll take the blame. Like if they got in a situation with you or me, they'd be like, oh, I apologize. You know, I shouldn't have done that. Even really, it's not their fault. But they're just quick to repent, quick to forgive. And she was asking Brother Hagin, why is that the case? And he said, uh, you know, basically, uh, I don't know unless the Lord tells me specifically, but he said, I would say that his family was quick to repent, quick to forgive, and yours was like slow. And she said, that's exactly right. She said, we would forgive you eventually because we know we have to. But we're going to just hold on to it as long as we dare. (laughs) And... Uh, The reason I like that story is it really gives a good illustration of something that's easy for any of us to slip into, which is trusting ourselves more than trusting God. It's kind of like Joel said, my body likes it. Like sometimes your body or my body wants to like hold on to this thing because like, well, this is how they did me and that's not right that they did this. Uh, But that's not God's way. And that actually stops up the blessing of God and that that causes us um, to really get what we can have and really get a lot of stuff the devil has. So it blocks us from getting what God has. But if we say, you know what, Lord, I'm just releasing them to you. I'm not going to think about it. I'm just going to trust you and, um, because you're my provider anyhow. And so um, we'll have to finish the second half of this message next week. But you know, you can get so much more from God by faith and experience in this life than what you could ever get by your own abilities and your own reasonings. And let me, let me tell you how I have it figured out. Let me tell you, I figured I can work for this many years and retire at this age and do this and do that if I save this amount of money. But you know, that really cuts into my tithing and my giving. But I got to have this because I want to retire at 62, right? Or whatever the ideal age is, they say, you know. Um, So you're trying to figure it out yourself. Well, you know, I will tell you that my giving has outperformed my saving. I save. The Bible says to save. Proverbs tells us to save. Uh, And so you need to be saving. You need to be planning for the future. Jesus just said, you know, uh, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Don't have any undue concern about the future because God holds the future. Don't worry about what you're going to wear, where you're going to live, what you're going to put on, what you're going to eat because um, just trust me. Trust God. Um, so it's not like we're supposed to just like live in la-la land and not prepare and do those things. But it's just like the rich young ruler. We're not to let those things have us. We're to let God have us. And to say like, you know what? But they put me in this job and there's no future in this job. Listen to my words. They put me. But they put me. So I'm like uh, relying upon them and me. It's like, they put me there, but God. Not, but they put me there. It's, but God. And so, Mark eleven twenty two 22 says, have faith in God. So no matter your situation, my situation, whatever's going on, have faith in God. Like, if you, like, if you uh, spend a lot of money on this car or uh, a large purchase home, a land, or whatever, and you did an ignorant decision and all that type of stuff, and you don't understand what's going on, what's the answer? Mark eleven twenty two. have faith in God. Because God can fix any problem that you got yourself into. There's no problem that's too big for God, you know? Uh, but I said this, or I said that, or whatever. Uh, have faith in God. Just take it to the Lord. He has an amazing way 
of fixing things and working things out that goes way beyond what you could figure out or I could figure out. His ways are higher than ours. His thoughts are higher than ours. And our job is to really trust him, think his thoughts after him, then believe what he believes, and then say what he says and do what he does. And the way we're going to do that is through um, Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. As we renew our mind, Romans 12, 2 says, we are transformed. Our whole life is transformed by the word of God because the word of God has life and power and contains the essence of God himself. That word is seed form of the life of God. And when that word goes into your situation, into your life, into your family, that word will produce after its kind. That means it's peaceful, it's loving, it's full of mercy, full of grace, full of hope, full of conquering impossibilities, full of more than enough, full of abundance, full of what God is full of. Because the word is God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So I don't know what you're going through, but whatever it is, you take the Word of God, and you plant that seed in your life or the life of other people, and then you water that seed through believing and speaking. Like, I don't care what this is that's coming against me. You know, I sometimes like to even say, you know, boy, this really feels intense, but I know my God will take care of me because he said he will supply all of my needs according to his riches in glory. It just does something when you speak that. It does something in your heart. It does something uh, really in the spiritual realm that you may or may not be aware of. So you have to speak. You have to vocalize. You have to speak your faith in God, which is based on his word. Stand with me if you would. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is sown into our lives. Father, we thank you that your word will produce a great harvest, a multiplied harvest in our lives and the lives of those that you've put us around. Father, we thank you for your life and for your nature and so much for your love. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, or uh, maybe you once were close to him and you're really far off now, um, you can come to know him right now. You can come back into the house of God. You can be right with God in an instant of time. Don't believe a lie of the devil. The devil is a liar. He comes to kill, to steal, to destroy, to divide. He wants to keep you out of the family of God and out of uh, relationship with God. But Jesus came that you might have life and have it in abundance. If that's you this morning listening or here, uh, just slip up your hand or email us, info at anchordc.org. We'll pray with you and pray for you. Um, and if you're here this morning and you don't, uh, have not been filled with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of uh, speaking in other tongues, we'll pray with you and for you. Uh, being filled with the Spirit endues you with power from on high, enables you to live victorious Christian life, stay in contact with God. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day, this day of salvation, this day of redemption that you have made. We rejoice and we're glad in it. I plead the blood of Jesus over everything that concerns everyone in this room and everyone listening. May your very best be ours in Jesus' name. Amen.